gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and I gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Whew, everyone take a breath. <laughs> like all of Jesus's parables, especially the ones involving economics and money, Jesus doesn't mess around. This parable is intense. There's judgment at the end. Before we look closer at the details of the passage, let's talk about the context. Why was Jesus telling this particular parable at this particular time? So three days previous, Jesus was battling it out with the Pharisees in the temple, and he was just calling them out for their hypocrisy, and he even called them vipers and snakes um, because of their hypocrisy. So he wasn't trying to make friends. Um, and then now, right before our text, he is chilling with his disciples in the Mount of Olives, and the text says that he, the disciples quietly come up to him and whisper, and they're like, Jesus, we want to know about the end times. We want to know what's going to happen. How will we know when the end times comes? Give us some details so we can predict it. So it sounds a little similar to some chatter I've heard around in this moment um, where there's a lot of buzz around this end times question. Jesus goes on for a bit, but he ultimately answers his disciples like this. So he says in verse 36, but about that day or hour, he's talking about the end times, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. 
Then Jesus launches into a series of parables. There's three of them, and the last one, the talents, is the one we're going to be talking about today. And he tells these parables because he wants his disciples to know that he doesn't want them engaging in games of prediction. He doesn't want them to focus on predicting the end times. No. Jesus wants them to wait and to prepare, and to prepare themselves to endure to the end in the ways of Jesus. He doesn't care when the end is coming. He cares how we live in the meantime. So that's why Jesus is telling this parable. So let's use that lens as we look at it. What might Jesus be telling his followers about how to wait for his kingdom to come again? And what might he be telling us as we wait also for Christ to come again? So verse 14, I think eventually we'll get it up on here, but until then, just look in your Bible. Um, the first thing I want to draw your attention to is the master's generosity. So the first thing that happens in this parable is that the master entrusts his slaves with these huge bags of gold, and he just gives it to them and entrusts it to them. So the first thing we see is this abundant generosity of the master. And then in the next verse, we see that he gives them gold based on their abilities, on how much, or sorry, based on what they can handle. And in other translations, the word talent is used for bags of gold. And it can be easy to mistake the talent, the word for money, with talents like singing or tap dancing or whatever talent you can think of. Um, but a talent, which is the money measurement, it would be kind of equivalent to 15 years of wages. So times your yearly salary times 15, and that would be around what a talent um, would signify. And then if we're talking bags of gold, one talent would be from 50 to 75 pounds. So imagine lugging five of those bags of gold around. That would be a big workout. So some people, when reading this parable, I don't think this is incorrect, but I think it misses the point a little bit, um, mistake the increment of money, a talent, for talents, like being good at baking or cooking or something like that. But I don't actually think this parable is necessarily talking about those things because God is always focused on his kingdom. So rather, I think Jesus wants us to understand these bags of gold as analogous to the power and love coming and flowing from the kingdom through us. So the power and love of the kingdom of God. This love and power that he lavishes on us and wants us to allow to flow through us. Power that allows us on our commute to work to smile at someone experiencing homelessness. Power that allows us when we see someone we completely agree with do an all caps rant on Facebook and we decide to just give them a little heart or just love them anyways. Power that enables us to forgive a family member who has betrayed us and rejected us. Power that allows us to listen deeply in this crazy election season to someone who believes something completely different. God's power can let us listen um, without immediately looking at someone like they're our enemy. So this power is powerful and it's from God and it's from God's kingdom. So the bags of gold are more about God's life within us than our and his spirit at work within us producing good fruit rather than specific talents or abilities we might possess. Though of course, God gives those to us and thinks those are important as well. So my first point today, it is on the screen, awesome, is that you, every single one of you, are an active participant in God's kingdom. This is exciting. 
Like the master entrusted his servants with the bags of gold, God has entrusted you with access to the kingdom of God and access to the power and blessings that flow in and through God's kingdom. We, each one of us has access to that. So do you believe that? Do you believe that you are an active participant in God's kingdom? That God has specific kingdom power that he wants to unleash through you? Do you believe that? <laughs> awesome. Um, and do you know that God's abundant power and love can flow through you if you let it? This is amazing, incredible news. So getting back to verse 16 in the parable, we get a sense of urgency that the first servant has. The text says that the man with five talents went at once and put the money to work. He didn't go on Facebook, he didn't binge Netflix, he went at once, giving his bags of gold the opportunity to grow and increase and multiply. In that culture, investing was seen as particularly risky and bold and even reckless. So it was not viewed very positively. So Jesus was kind of trying to maybe irk his followers or get them to really pay attention. So this servant, he was being reckless maybe according to the culture of his day. His defenses are down and he trusts his master. He's comfortable with risk and potential failure and he simply goes for it, allowing the gold to increase and to multiply without looking back and without fear. When I think of a brave and risky investor in God's kingdom, I think of June Gizlo, a beloved member of our congregation. Woo, June, we love you. <laughs> um, I was chatting with her this week, and she reminded me of the story, the origin story of the Yayas, which is a group of grandmas that meet together. Um, so 19 years ago, Pastor Jim McGee came up to June because he was concerned that the older ladies in the church weren't having much connection or people, um, yeah, to go deeper in their faith with. And so June took a week to pray about it and to think about it. And then she came back to Jim. She's like, okay, here's what we're going to do. The ladies are going to come to my house on Thursday mornings. We'll have a visit, drink tea, and then we'll do a Bible study. And as you guys all probably know, women started coming and then they started inviting their neighbors and their friends and this group grew exponentially in love and in people seeking God and caring for each other. And in June's words, the Yayas continue to care and love for each other a whole bunch 19 years later. Now that's an exponential return on investment if you ask me. Like the first servant who went at once to multiply his bags of gold, to let the gold go to work and increase. June had no fear and she went for um, creating the yayas and starting it, confident that God would produce good fruit through her faithfulness. So she is a beautiful example of the power and the love of God's kingdom flowing through someone and increasing more than fivefold over the past 19 years. So well done, June, good and faithful servant. The second, yeah. The second servant in our parable does the same, boldly letting their money go to work and in doing so, doubling their bag of gold for their master. When I think of a younger and still bold actor in God's kingdom in our congregation, I think of Chow. 
Hi, Joe. Wave at everyone. <laughs> um, I see this same enthusiastic and enterprising spirit in her. So Chow is here every first and third Thursday for our food bank. And pretty much every single person that walks up or that drives through, Chow knows their names. And she greets them either in English or in Spanish. Um, and she hands them their food and is like, hey, I'll see you later. Let's hang out. Or invites them to church sometimes. Um, and Chow does this with such warmth. And she just lets God's power flow through her with abandon, no matter if people reject her or you know, say, no, I don't want to come over. Chow just lets God's love flow, um, and she's risky, and she doesn't care what other people think. Um, so Chow reminds me of the second servant in our parable. <laughs> now we get into the harder stuff. The third servant, on the other hand, responds differently than the first two. He goes off, digs a hole, and hides his bag of gold. It was actually a common practice to do this in Jesus's day. What do you think caused the servant to hide the gold? You might be thinking, that sounds pretty practical. <laughs> he was just trying to be cautious and prudent, loyal to his master. He didn't want any of the money, or any of the gold to go to waste. I could be tempted to sympathize or understand um, the plight of the third servant if I didn't see Jesus or the master's response a little later. Jesus in the parable makes it pretty obvious which servant that we want to emulate. Like the third servant, have you ever been tempted to receive the kingdom of God and then hide it or hoard it or take it for yourself? Are you sometimes paralyzed by fear or anxiety of what God will do if you mess something in his kingdom up? Maybe you try to tell someone about Jesus, but you did it wrong, or you try to forgive someone and you're not able to. Are you afraid that God is this taskmaster waiting to punish you, ready to call you out? Are you afraid of God's kingdom, choosing self-protection over vulnerability? choosing to hide and stifle God's power instead of allowing God's power to flow and work through you? When I think of the third servant who hides his talent in the ground, I think of, it's a pretty popular C.S. Lewis quote about what it looks like when someone lives a lonely existence without love, someone who's afraid of vulnerability and risk. C.S. Lewis writes, might be the next slide. C.S. Lewis writes, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or the coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The only place outside heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers of love is hell. The third servant brings judgment onto himself for refusing to risk 
refusing to let God's love or the master's gold flow through him to bring more and refusing to trust his master. Next in the parable, we see the master coming home after this long journey and he's settling accounts with the three servants. He calls the first servant and it's a big party. Um, Both are delighting in each other and complimenting each other. And the master proclaims, well done, good and faithful servant, and then invites him to join his master's happiness and joy. I imagine that the master invited him to a big party or something like that. Don't we all long for those words and to be a part of God's joy and happiness, God's kingdom? The second servant shares how he doubles the bags of gold and receives the same enthusiastic and positive response from the master. Well done, good and faithful servant. The thought might have crossed your mind, is the master just being greedy? What's going on? But remember what the gold in the parable is analogous to, the power and love and blessing of God's kingdom. The parable reminds us that the power of God's kingdom, like Chow and June and the first two servants demonstrate, is to be given away with risk and with abandon. God delights in us like the master delighted in his servants when we let his kingdom go to work through us, when we don't hold it to ourselves, but when we risk and we let it multiply and grow and increase. The third servant brings his one talent that he hid and he starts off not very great by blaming the master. He says, I knew that you are a hard man harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. At least he's honest. He says, I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. The third servant does not understand the nature of his master and thinks his master is a harsh, greedy master waiting to punish him the minute he messes up, the minute he might lose one piece of gold. No mistakes are allowed according to this third servant's perspective. He doesn't understand that his master gives generously and with abundance and that the response required is to go out, to invest, to grow, to increase, to let God's or let the money and the bags of gold multiply no matter the risk. The third servant unfortunately does not trust his master or even understand him. Do you in your life with God ever find it hard to trust? Do you find it easy to misunderstand the nature of God? It can sometimes be easy to project our own negative images of authority figures and make that exactly who we view God to be, even when that's not who God is revealed to be in the Bible. Gregory Boyle, I talked about him a few weeks ago. He's the founder of Homeboy Industries, which is the largest gang intervention program in the United States. And he describes our propensity to keep God small with this quote. So he says, human beings are settlers, not in the pioneer sense. It is our human occupational hazard to settle for little. We settle for purity and piety when we are being invited into an exquisite holiness. We settle for the fear-driven when love longs to be our engine. We settle for a puny, vindictive God when we are being nudged always closer to this wildly inclusive, larger than any life God. Is your image of God and his kingdom stunted, warped by the lies of the enemy and our culture? 
distorted by fear like the third servant. The master doesn't agree with the servant's assessment of him. He doesn't deny it, but he lets the servant be judged by his own words, by his own conception of who the master was. The message translation puts it like this. The master was furious. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with bankers, where at least I would have gotten a little interest. Take the thousand and give it to the one who risked the most, and get rid of this play it safe who won't go out on a limb. Throw him out into the utter darkness. We see again that Jesus does not mess around, and he's trying to get his disciples and us to take seriously what our response to his kingdom is. Will we let his power and love and kingdom flow through us, or will we hide it and keep it safe? Will we allow the power to enable us to show mercy to the least of these, to forgive, to drop our judgments towards our enemies, or will we hide our talents and the kingdom of God under our mattresses? One image that kind of helps me make sense of some of this is an image in prayer that my twin sister and I received around seven years ago. So I have an identical twin named Nikki, and she's a pastor in Santa Barbara. And so we were at the start of our ordination processes then and wanted to ask God, like, God, how do you see us? How do you see our ministry? And so we asked Jesus, how do you see us? And then we closed our eyes. And then I received this image of us being in an ice cream parlor and we were like wearing the little aprons and then just all this ice cream was like pouring down on us and we were just like flinging it and flinging it and flinging it. So all this ice cream was coming down and we were handing it out and handing it out and there was such joy and lightness and people wanted the ice cream so much and were so hungry. And so I asked God, like, God, what's the ice cream? And then God showed me that it was the kingdom of God and the power and love of the kingdom of God. So God wanted us to let God's love and his kingdom pour out on us and we would just fling it with abandon um, to anyone who was hungry and thirsty. And so this image really encouraged us um, to not be held back by fear if people didn't understand why these young twin women wanted to be pastors and wanted to let God's kingdom flow through us. So that image encouraged us to let our gold, let our talents go to work, no matter the risk, no matter what other people might think or say. So I see this same movement of receiving God's power and love, like the ice cream, and it being poured out um, in all of you each week. So I see Cece and Gary um, letting God's love pour out um, to Cece's beautiful mother every day and her mother um, letting God's love pour out back. I see Gary, I see God's hands and feet in our church community as Gary so faithfully caretakes for our facility. And I see Roy and Robin. Um, with Roy, I see God's creativity and ideas with the photo booth. And anytime we have an event, Roy is ready for God to show him something else or come up with some new idea. And I see with Robin that Robin is using um, her heart for the lost. She's letting God's heart for the lost be her heart for the lost. And she's doing these creative trick shot shows. And I see Tori, I see God's heart um, for her East LA students in Tori as she laughs with them and delights in them even as Zoom school is so difficult. 
and I just see so many. I see Glenn coming on Thursdays and Susan um, and letting God's heart for the homeless to pour out through them. I see Keith and his work as a chaplain in the marketplace, letting God's love pour out to the people who are working in the marketplace and need someone to talk to, need someone to listen to them. And I see Gail with an abundant stock of Jesus Calling books in her trunk, ready, ready, to, fling, ready to fling them out to anyone who needs to hear Jesus calling their name. Um, and I see... Yeah, child likes that. I see Kitty, I don't know if you guys know this, but a few weeks ago, Kitty recruited her whole family to help someone who had to close their Goodwill shop. And she, I don't think you knew them very well. She didn't even know them. And she, her whole family spent this whole day helping them. So I see God's love for the stranger, God's love for someone we don't even know, flowing through Kitty. Um, and I did not, I barely talked about any of you, but I see... God's flowing, God's love and power flowing through all of you. Um, whether you're online or in this room, um, it's just such a beautiful thing to witness. So thank you for being a part of this community. And this is just, like I said, a small, small glimpse of the kingdom flowing in and through our Living Spring community. I left most of you out, but God sees you and is delighted in your willingness to let God's kingdom power flow through you with abandon, even when it's risky. Jesus ends our parable with the declaration that to those who have, more will be given. So even if you have a corner of a piece of paper of willingness and openness to let God's kingdom flow through you, God can use it and multiply it and do beyond what you can ask or imagine. So even if you just have a tiny little iota of openness to God's kingdom, He can multiply it if you let him. He can expand it, he can grow it, and if you risk a little, he will grow it exponentially. So as the worship band comes back up, I'm going to invite us into a time of prayer with God, because I promised at the beginning I would invite you to take a risk for God's kingdom. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna pray and we're gonna listen to the God who is always speaking, And we're going to ask him what specific risks that he wants us to take in our context. And this could be, again, we're in a political season, loving someone who's voting different than you. This could be forgiving a family member. This could be feeding the hungry or showing mercy to someone on Facebook. There are so many things that God could be inviting us to risk for his kingdom. So I invite you all to bow your heads. And during this song... um, At the beginning, I'm just going to lead us in a short prayer, but as the song continues on, be open to God continuing to speak. So Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you are with us and that you promise to abundantly give your kingdom to us, Lord. Whoever asks, Lord, you give your kingdom away, and would we give your kingdom away as well? So would you show us now, Jesus, if there's a risk, Lord, that you're inviting us to, Lord, someone you want us to love or forgive or show mercy to. Someone, Lord, that you want us to receive your love and power and let it flow. How do you want us to do that, God? Would you show us now?
And Jesus, if we're tempted to hide our bag of gold, to hide your kingdom, would you show us um, who could help us, God? Show us who could help us take a risk. Jesus, would you show us how you see us, God? There's so many lies that are so easy to believe. But as we end our time in prayer, God, show us how you see us. So as the worship team um, plays their song, just continue to be open to God and what he has for you. So like we do every week, I invite you to please stand and put your hands in front of you to receive the benediction. So in the name of the Father who created us and sustains us, and entrusts his kingdom to us, and in the name of his son, Jesus, who will reign forever and ever and will come again to judge the living and the dead, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, who allows us to manifest and embody the love and power of the kingdom of God, go forth in confidence, letting the kingdom of God flow through you. Amen. Go in peace, living spring.